Today's Transmissions podcast is brought to you by 80stees.com. 80stees.com has an incredible selection of Transformers shirts and hoodies, including some amazing Transformers costume hoodies. Transform into Grimlock, Megatron, or even Optimus Prime with the 80stees.com costume hoodies. Hello all sentient beings and welcome to the Transmissions Podcast, where we talk about all news, toys, and comic books related to the... You all remember two years ago when the students at UC Davis holding a sit-in terrorized the campus sidewalk with their butts and had to have their eyes pepperboarded. It was a dark story that gripped the nation, but you'll be happy to know the victim has finally been compensated. John Pike, the campus police officer at UC Davis, who pepper sprayed those seated protesters, will receive $38,000 in workers' comp for the depression and anxiety he suffered in the aftermath. Folks, I know, I'm happy too. It is the biggest payout for assaulting people's eyes since Transformers 3. On this episode, we have a fantastic interview with third-party toy designer Steven, the Echo Transformer. We'll also review Transformers Prime Beast Hunters number 6 and number 7. we only got one more left, guys. And can anyone guess which country dressed up as Optimus Prime at the Miss Universe pageant? We have all this and so very much more on this episode of Transmissions. Welcome to Transmissions, the podcast for Lord Megatron. All hail Megatron. Megatron. I am your host, Charles, a.k.a. Big C, and I'm joined by the excellent Transmissions team, Yusuf, better known as Yoshi. Yo! Jeremy, a.k.a. Yakko. Hey, how you doing? And Daryl, the Cybertronian beast. Hey, hey, everybody, how's it going? Let's talk Transformers. All right, and Daryl has brought on a guest for us today, so Daryl, why don't you uh, introduce him? Uh, yeah, today we have a very special guest in the podcast. He is a third-party Transformers toy designer who has made products for Shapeways. He's going to give us some insight on how these toys are made. Please welcome Steven, also known as Echo Transformer. Hi, everybody. Hey, hey. Steven, how are you? Uh, very good, thing. Thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely. All right, so we've got uh, a couple questions for you here. First off, we just want to know, who are you? What do you do? Yeah, um, what do I do when I'm not, uh, doing, uh, shapeways and, and third party stuff? Yeah, like, are you, um, like, you know, what really do you do in your off time? You know, who, what makes you, you? Sure, sure. Um, well, I am, I am actually a designer. Like, I, uh, I studied industrial design. Oh, cool. So, um, it's a four year university course. I studied it in Ottawa. And, uh, so I, I, Canadian? a bit of design. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. He's another Canadian, Yoshi. Look out. <laughs> and uh, I'm doing software design right now. Um, so user interface design, they call it UX. Um, but uh, in my spare time, it's not all Transformers. I do a little bit of this and that. I, uh, I actually like to do uh, performance driving, like lapping, uh, high-speed lapping, uh, autocross. I don't know if you guys are familiar with autocross. Wow, got a race car driver here. Yeah, kind of. Well, yeah, <laughs> not that fast, but pretty fast. Uh, what do you like to drive? Um, I have an old Integra that I drive, um, put some sticky tires on it and drive it as hard as I can. It's kind of fun. Is that, but is that like your ideal vehicle or do you have an ideal vehicle you wish you were driving every day? Oh yeah, that's a good question. Um, 
Yeah, I think uh, something with a little more power would always be good. Uh, just the kind of trouble you get in increases quite a bit. <laughs> I, I, I like that. Uh, I like that FRS. I just wish it had a little more power. The FRS, mm-hmm. the uh, BRZ, or that, that's a really nice car. That that's the one thing that was kind of getting me thinking about giving up my old Integra. Right on. So you said you're a designer by trade. Um, so this is how you got into doing the Shapeway stuff. Well, it just sort of eased the transition. Uh, in, in when I was designing hardware, we would do rapid prototyping, mm-hmm. which Shapeways is really based around. So, uh, when we were doing it, uh, at our company, it was, of course, extremely expensive. Uh, you know, we would order prototypes and you're talking one or two thousand dollars and, you know, a week lead time. Yeah. When you, when you, when I did those first couple quotes on Shapeways, I was blown away how much the prices come down and, how they've really brought it to the masses and just how slick the service is. It's a very, all things considered, I know it's got a long way to go, but uh, all things considered, that is a very um, mature service that they've built. Mm-hmm. Now, how long have you been a Transformers fan? Well, uh, like like many of us say, you know, I definitely was a fan as a kid. And, um, you know, I collected uh, quite a few, as many as I could as a kid. And then I've got the age-old story of uh, mom giving a bunch away. Mm-hmm. I did manage to, to save a few, you know, that I had it from my childhood, and then you get them out of the attic again and dust them off, and suddenly it's like, oh, that's interesting. And I think I, you know, I, I think it was my Devastator. I had a broken hook in, okay. in Devastator, and I said, man, it'd be nice just to fix that one guy. And I go searching online, you start finding all these communities and places that were selling uh, vintage. Yeah. Back then, the prices were reasonable. So probably around 2003, 2002, somewhere around there, I got back into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, pretty much uh, since the, the show began, I've been a fan, but, you know, I definitely had a blackout period, you know, uh, until I discovered the, the fandom and these, these websites and communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was, the, it was generally the toys and the TV show that got you into it first, right? Yeah, that's true. Like, I, I definitely had some of the old G1 comics. I really enjoyed them um, and, uh, you know, saw the, the various movies, et cetera. But, uh, yeah, it was really the, the toys and the original TV show that uh, absorbed me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So before you started with Shapeways, did you participate in anything else in the fandom? Like, did you did you hit up the, the, the fan sites? Yeah, like, uh, I've, I've been a member at uh, TFW for quite some time in Cybertron since sort of 2006, 2007, somewhere around there. And uh did some customs and did some sharing of customs on those uh sites. And uh, you know, the the routine stuff, sharing pictures and and uh sightings threads, which are mm-hmm. always super helpful for toy hunters. Definitely. Yeah. So helping out in the sightings threads and, and reading the sightings threads. So yeah, yeah, bits and pieces and, and the customs is those communities are fantastic, you know, it's they're very supportive uh groups there and um it's it's really good learning. Uh, if you're sort of for those in the audience that are pre um, doing something in, in terms of shapeways or third party, if you start with customs, it's an easier entry point to the bigger challenge that is, uh, you know, third party. Yeah. Now, looking at your body of work that you have on your shapeways page, I'm guessing you generally have an affinity towards combiners. Is that safe to say? Yeah, I, I definitely like combiners. Like it's just uh, it's it's a really fun palette uh, to work with. When it comes to sculpture and when it comes to modification and, you know, combiners are really challenging for the engineers that have built them to get the, the proportions right and the balance right. So it's, uh, in some ways easy, uh, easy for someone to go in and tweak it. 
Yeah. So uh, it was an easy place for me to go, and and I definitely appreciate what they what they do. I mean, the the play pattern is a lot more interesting. Um, but I uh, you know I I've done some other things. I did the uh, Hedgemon leg caps. Um, yeah. I've got people might have seen some sketches for a uh, Henke strafe that I was doing, which you know modifies the Cyclonus, the uh, classic Cyclonus mold. So I, I will go. I, I will go outside of combiners, but I just find, yeah, that's a it's a great place to be, and and it's it's really popular with what third parties have been doing in that space. So mm-hmm. yeah. So what type of program do you use to to create your designs? Is it a CAD program? Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely using CAD, um, and uh, that kind of comes from the professional experience. Uh, you know, I had 11 years of CAD experience before. Mm-hmm. You know, doing various projects that uh, at my other uh, at my place of work. Yeah. So it was a natural fit. Now you don't always have to use CAD, but you can run into some interesting problems if you use like a sculpting tool, like a ZBrush or one of those. You can run into some problems getting it manufacturing ready. Yeah. So uh, CAD is if you if for anyone out there that wants to get started, if you if you get into CAD, it's it's a lot easier and. Just add a little detail to that. It's not just CAD; it's 3D, and it's it's what they call parametric. Okay. Which means when you're building this geometry, you're building um, it relative to other things. So, you know, when I'm building an add-on kit for a combiner, I've got to measure uh, all the places that the part fits on, mm-hmm. and so I can build all those measurements before I even build the foot or the hand or whatever else I'm adding to the combiner. So uh, without all that, it would be really difficult. Like it would take even longer and there'd be more trial and error. You know, yeah. like the first time you get those parts in, your fingers are crossed, you open the box, is this thing even going to fit? <laughs> and, uh, and, and it's more likely to fit if you're using what's called a parametric CAD. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So you, you send away for each one of your, uh, I assume, I'm just going to say prototypes. You, you don't make them in-house? No, I, I don't own a 3D printer myself. Um, I can't afford it. Uh, you know, there, there are some people that are, are starting to buy their own and that's awesome. I mean, if I could one day, that'd be great. There's a lot of overhead with owning one of those machines. Okay. So far. You know, I, maybe 10 years from now, we'll all have these, you know, at our homes. But, uh, right now, uh, I, I just sent it out for the service. And when I discovered Shapeways being a cost effective service, I definitely jumped all over that. The lead times are, you know, on the order of a couple weeks. So I could I could model something up tonight and in two weeks be test fitting it on uh, one of my samples. Cool. So, yeah, it's pre- it's pretty fast and easy, and uh, I definitely enjoy doing that. And I've even I've done some ordering of prototypes even in town in Ottawa. Um, most larger cities will have these kinds of services. So uh, if if anybody's looking to get into it, they can just uh, I don't know Google it and probably find. 3D prototypers even in town. You can walk right down to their uh, place and pick it up in person and get to know these people because uh, it's, it's, it's a good industry. They're very nice people. Right on. I hope this doesn't sound too uh, <clears throat> too stupid. Um, uh, so a friend of mine and I uh, used Shapewaves for a personal project a few months ago, and, and it, was, it was an awesome thing. But like you were saying about um, 3D printers, and, uh, you know, I keep seeing ads of these things dropping down in price. Do you... Do you see a future where you're maybe creating the model, the CAD files, and just selling the the, the files to uh, collectors or or hobbyists? That's uh, that's not stupid. That's brilliant. I, I think you're talking about sort of the notion of you, you just sell the media, you sell the design. It's like today you you don't sell the 
DVD or the Blu-ray disc, you sell the permission to download and watch the movie, right? Right. And I think you're describing the same thing. I think that's definitely a possibility. Um, the whole, what the software industry has gone through and the movie industry has gone through in terms of managing the rights of their, uh, of their art, the, uh, the same thing's going to happen to some aspects of the hardware industry and toy industry. So, uh, I think that is, uh, both a possibility and a challenge and, uh, something we have to think about. All right. That's very cool. Um, how did you get started creating a parts for Shapeways? Yeah. Well, I, I guess I, uh, I owe credit for sure to uh, Ariel Lemon. Uh, so if anybody hasn't checked out his Shapeway store, it's definitely one of the long-standing ones. And uh, he made this thing called the Thugger Twins. Do you guys know that one? No, I no? haven't heard of it. Mm-mm. Okay, no, not familiar. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it, it, what it is is uh, so you guys probably know uh, Fall of Cybertron Soundwave. Yeah. The first one was a, a deluxe size. Yeah. And, uh, he, he actually has an opening chest, but you put his guns in there and it's a pretty small cavity. Right. But <laughs> the Ariel Lemon actually made a transforming rumble and frenzy that fit in his chest. Wow. So on Shapeways. So I That's saw this cool. TFW one day and I said, that can't be real. <laughs> and I looked it up and sure enough, and, and then I looked at the price of what it would take to buy it from Shapeways. I said, geez, I got to try this. So I, I, uh, ordered it and got them and I was blown away. And, uh, basically I felt very inspired. So, uh, flash forward maybe a few months, you know, of, 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 uh, being lazy and procrastinating. Mm-hmm. I got really frustrated that Crazy Devi hadn't finished that Predaking. Yeah. So yeah, I know I was, that well. I was nuts. I was buying all those parts and they were so expensive. And I'm like, why am I doing this? But, oh, I just want my G1 to look good. And, uh, and I, I, this is going to sound crazy, but maybe you guys have some experience like this. I refused to open the parts until all the parts arrived. Mm-hmm. I just yeah. said, I'm not going to, until Crazy Debbie completes it, I'm not even going to touch my Predaking with these cool new parts. And the thighs never came, never came, never came. And so that's it. I'm making my own. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so that's what I did. That was my very first project. And, um, it kind of just trickled out from there. And then I was, I was public about that project. I think that's the other aspect of it. I thought, well, you know, it's kind of a custom, right? It's yeah. kind of something I could share. So, uh, I posted it on the forums and got feedback and I started on cybertron.ca and then, um, and I, I continue to post there with all my projects, but, uh, I, I spend more time on TFW just because it's a slightly larger audience, but, uh, yes. both, both communities are awesome. Mm-hmm. So can you walk us through the process that you use from um, start to finish to creating a part? I mean, you, you talked about it a bit from the measuring aspect, um, but uh, but basically from from uh, inception to creation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so basically, there's going to be some idea, right, or some frustration right. <laughs> that generates the the uh the drive to do it and and you know i was describing the um what was going on with with uh, predaking yeah and uh the same thing was kind of going on with hercules when i did all those parts and then and then fall of cybertron bruticus so i think that was a pretty big community frustration going oh yeah you know i just i just had to see that thing better um but so you get that frustration and then it's like okay well could i do something and you start to think about that so uh, what I'll usually do is I'll break out a sketch pad. I'll sketch and it doesn't have to be a good sketch. Like, 
you know, I've got experience sketching, but some of the sketches, you know, some people would look at it and said, what the heck were you thinking there? And I know it when I look at it. So yeah. for anybody, again, just uh, thinking of anybody in the in the community that's listening to this, thinking of doing it, um, just breaking out a piece of paper frees your mind and gets you started. So start with a sketch. And then uh, on almost all the projects, I've broken out some Lego. Oh, cool. Not, and mocked it up. In Lego, some way, and, and it's going to be crude, right? Because Lego is kind of restrictive. But like, literally, I had for the for the thighs of, of Predator King, and for some of the parts of uh, Fall of Cybertron Bruticus. Actually, wait, Fall of Cybertron Bruticus almost had a complete Lego mock-up. Hercules, <laughs> not so much, but uh, but I'll mock it up. I got to see it in 3D before I really get into the CAD. It, it, it's just too hard sometimes to yeah. understand all the issues. Yeah. So uh, maybe and then maybe there'll be some extra sketches after the uh, Lego because Lego, you know, the shapes are all wrong mm-hmm. and the sculpting, you know, is is really important. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm combing over these these figures for other details that I want to put in my parts. So they look like they belong because, you, you know, you don't want to design a part that doesn't fit the character, that doesn't blend in, that doesn't look factory. And, and I'm, I mean, I'm not there yet. Like, I don't want to say that. I'm yet achieving the factory look, but you know, that's my goal. Right. So, uh, I'll do, I'll do more sketching and, uh, then it's, then it's the, the painful part. Then I sit down and measure like it could take hours to measure up these things. I don't have a scanner or anything like a 3D scanner or anything fancy like that. I literally painstakingly measure, uh, every area where my part is going to intersect with the figure and I'll even build parts of the figure in CAD. Uh, so that I don't accidentally build my new part into an area, like a collision. Oh, right. As you could kind of, hopefully that's making sense. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll build as much as I need to build my part. And, uh, then I, then I build it. And, um, that, that can take a really long time too. Um, and sometimes I'll build it to, you know, I'll spend, you know, my wife will kill me, but I'll spend like all day Sunday, <laughs> eight hours straight listening to trance music. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get the pulse and in the zone of building one of these things and I'll put it down and I'll have to come back to it another couple of days later because you know you run into roadblocks and stuff mm-hmm. um, and then uh, once I'm I'm happy enough I'll order the first version knowing that with almost 100% certainty I'll have to build it again and change things and improve things so I'll get the, the first prototypes I'll do that on Shapeways as we talked about before mm-hmm. get that part in and then and then test it you know, and it, it could be just popping it on and yeah, it's good. Or it could be even some like strength testing or, you know, if I have to transform an area or whatever, I'll, I'll test the as much as I can. Yeah. And, um, and then I'll usually at that point, like photograph it and share it and finish it up. Maybe I'll paint it so that uh, people get an idea of what it's like and see if they like it. And that's a, that's a pretty important test. You know, it's almost more important than what does it work is that people even like it. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, unless it's just for me. And I, I do have a, the odd project that was just for me. And I, I actually have a project I, I shared one image of. And then when I got it, I was so bad, I never shared it again. <laughs> <laughs> what was it, if you don't mind me asking? <laughs> it was for, uh, it was for Energon Prime. Um, okay. so you guys know how awful Energon Prime is. Well, I shouldn't say that. That the, uh, <laughs> the big fat beefy the, one. The Fatimus Prime, yeah. Fatimus Prime. And, you know, the artwork for him always looks good. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so, you know how he's got those limbs that fit on him, those sort of Voltron-like yeah. Power Ranger-like limbs. 
I made like fit on limbs that were Optimus limbs, not you okay. know, submarines and helicopters yeah. and stuff. And oh god, that was a disaster. <laughs> it, it looked good in the renders, and then I got the thing, and man, it just looks like it's such a. Oh, anyways, so you gotta, but you gotta have those failures. You gotta, sure. you gotta flop or two. So, anyways, um, yeah. After that, uh, it, in uh, past that point, you know, I'll do the testing. I'll see if people are digging it, and then and then it's back to the drawing board and fix everything. <laughs> <laughs> and usually it's uh, two or three more iterations back and forth to Shapeways before I could say, yeah, you guys can buy it because I just don't want to put anything out there that has issues. And even then, you know, there's there's issues. So um, it, it's really tough. And again, this is uh, like a like a detailed project like Bruticus uh, or um, the Hercules parts. Some other parts, you know, are, are a little more straightforward than that. But it, it gives you an idea of what's entailed. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you very much for that. Um, I don't even want to ask how you uh, how you managed to create the Bruticus upgrade set and then managed to put all those parts, combining them into a trailer. I don't even I I can't even begin to imagine how you did that. It's it's mind boggling for for such a simpleton as myself. I I just I can't I can't figure it out. So kudos to you for figuring out how to how to build something so intricate as that. Oh, thanks so much. Thank you. Uh, would you ever consider designing a complete figure from the ground up? And if so, which one would you want to do? <laughs> yeah, I, I, w- I would. Um, I'd want to do a, a new figure. I'd, I'd want to do a new character. And uh, I'd want him to have some fiction. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. I I, I, I just um, I think that's the next thing I'd want to do. Because I, I think that uh, if you start with somebody totally new... Um, it, the fandom's going to be more forgiving. Um, and, and I just think it's, it's such a challenge to do it right. And, and these third parties are doing it right all the time. Don't get me wrong. They're, they're doing a really good job, but, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, I just, uh, have a lot of humility about this thing and, and I, I want to start with a new character and, uh, I, I'd love, you know, to do a few in a, in a fictional setting. And, and I think it needs to belong somehow in the universe, but, but, um, and relate some way to the universe, but I'd love it to be its own. So that's probably the place that I'd start, and uh, someday I'll get there. We'll see. So you would you or would you not have it integrate with the uh, with the um, the existing Transformers characters, or or no? If I could, it, like if it was maybe uh, like a bit of a behind the scenes character or, or a notion of a character that I could pull forward, I think that'd be really great. And and then I'd like to to flush out in detail that character. You know, more than just the sculpt, more than just the the uh, the transformation, but you know, the who who it who it is and and what its relevance is, etc. Cool. Just to to follow up on on you mentioned wanting to create a new character. So, would you want to have like would you be willing to take a character who already exists, say in the comics, but doesn't have a toy yet, or would you want someone completely new and maybe create like a fanfic or something around him and kind of insert them into the, into your favorite universe or whatever. Yeah, that, that's the, the latter. I, I'd, I'd like to take, to create something totally new. Okay. Um, but he, he can fit maybe somehow or, or people can imagine it fitting into the fiction. Um, if not, it'd be neat that it could even develop its own fiction that, that grows from there. But I, I, uh, yeah, I'd really like something fresh and it just gives you all sorts of freedom. And that of course makes it really challenging too. Right. Please make an Autobot DeLorean. Oh, <laughs> that needs to happen. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. 
or or a uh, or a Decepticon Batmobile or <laughs> Autobot Batmobile. It doesn't matter. Just a Batmobile Transformer needs to happen. <laughs> a flower pot. <laughs> you guys seen these threads where they talk about the uh, alt modes not yet covered? Like that's just the gold mine for it is. a new fiction. And just to, you know, if it could be tied together, I mean, you know, it's, it could be really crazy and, and fresh or it could be, uh, could be pretty cool. Like, you know, serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Those are fun. So the question that I know I have been eagerly awaiting your answer on, how did the relationship between you and X transbots come about? Oh, it was, uh, it was through connections. Um, you know, what, what happens is, uh, when, well, I, as you guys might know, the, the Fall of Cybertron Vertica's project was originally intended to be Shapeways. Yes. Um, I did not intend to do that third party. I started it last Christmas um, on my days off. And uh, why was I working on my days off? I'll never know. But <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I just, again, was just sort of uh, frustrated by it, uh, its sculpt and stuff. So anyways... It was going to be Shapeways. I'm like, I was only going to do it for a few people, knowing that not many people would want to deal with the painting and the frustration of the and the finish, you know. Right. Um, but uh, it got noticed, and uh, it become became more and more public. And uh, as that happened, um, I was able to make more connections, and uh, that's where we uh, linked up with X Transbots. And uh, I'm I'm really glad for that. I feel really lucky for that. Now, are they based in North America, or are they in Asia somewhere? You know, uh, they're in Asia somewhere, and I I don't exactly know. <laughs> but I'm assuming your your uh, communication with them is in English. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's in English, and uh, you know, it's got to be really clear communication. Um, but uh, yeah, they they can uh, they can communicate in English. Perfect. Yeah. Um, the listing for your uh, Bruticus set on BBTS currently shows the retail colors will. Uh, or sorry, the colors will be retail. Um, now, when I saw the presentation at TFCon this year, um, you, I saw that you had had plans for the other paint schemes. Uh, do you know when you have will have those expected to be available? Yeah, I, I think it'll be soon. Um, you know, at, at this point, X Transbots runs the show, um, so you know, I, I I basically provide them as much customer insight as I can. Okay, and they they listen. Um, and, uh, they, they are also interested, obviously, in producing more, more colors. It just makes sense. Of course. Um, it, it's probably right now, I think the holdup, if, if fans perceive it, is more just, we gotta get the first kit right, get it out the door, get the bugs out, like, we want it to be good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's, that's what's going on. And yeah, we, we wanna, we wanna release in, in more colors for sure. Um, and I, we, we think, we ran some polls, and the demand was good. And it was a really tough call to do retail first versus the others. And again, that was, that was Transbot's call. And, um, you know, it, it just, uh, it, it's probably what's best for the product's future. And I'm sure that's the call they made. So, um, yeah. And, and it's, it's funny. You'll see people, uh, text in. Some people say, Oh, I really wish you did, you know, G2 first or I wish you did, uh, platinum first. And then other, uh, there's other equal number of people saying, thanks for doing retail first. So it, mm-hmm. it was one of those things where we, uh, no matter which one we did first, it was going to be wrong for some. Exactly. You can't please everyone and, all at once. Yeah. That was I, really tough. Like, uh, and, and I really felt for everybody because, uh, here I am. I'm lucky I've got all, all the color schemes, but those are prototypes. So, you know, those are shape ways and, uh, they don't, they don't look like the first offs. Like Keith, uh, 
just posted some pictures of the first offs for those that haven't seen them. Yes. And they're hot, man. Like it's off production tooling. So it's like smooth, perfect finish. I added a whole bunch of extra sculptural details I couldn't do with Shapeway. So I don't even, in, I don't even get to enjoy it yet. So <laughs> hopefully we'll all get to celebrate the kit together uh, soon in all those colors. That was going to be my follow up is if you had a, a production sample yet. No, no, um, soon. Yeah. Um, cause our, you know, our ship date is, is November. Um, and yeah, very soon. Right on. So as I get, as I get stuff, I'll just let people know and post and, and, uh, share pictures. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I'm happy it's the retail colors because that's the one that I got. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Um, now some of your products, let's face it, they're unusable to customers without, uh, without Hasbro or third parties original figures. Um, have you had any complaints from Hasbro, uh, or f- has have you had the fear of repercussions ever enter into your mind during any of this? Um, yeah, that's that's a really good question. Um, I, the way I perceive uh, what what I'm doing here is uh, it's it's something that enhances their product. Yeah. Um, I you know I I hope that this is um, not something that detracts from their business in any way I respect and support their business. All they have to do is come and see my collection. Um, so, you know, I look at it, uh, as, you know, like a car spoiler that you buy a third party car spoiler or shift knob or, you know, Good point. Or, Good point. Yeah, it's like, it's an, it's an enhancement to their product. And, uh, I hope that's, that's what it's perceived as. Um, yeah. So, that there was, uh, you know, like there's some moments there where I thought, okay, well, I got to be careful, um, and I want to be thankful for what the what that uh, company has done for us. I mean, none of this would happen if it weren't for them. Exactly. So uh, I always want to be respectful of that. But then again, I think that uh, enhancing an existing product is, uh, you know, a perfectly acceptable thing. So that's what I hope. You know, if uh, lawyers say otherwise and uh, get busted, <laughs> you guys heard it first on the on the show. Yeah. Well, those echo my feelings as well. Um, it gets to play in another whole ballpark when you're starting to make full figures. But again, I support the full figures too. So, um, yeah. But that's another conversation for another day. <laughs> and as far as things go, we, we, we haven't heard anything from Hasbro on, on any of that yet. So. Yeah, that, that's a really challenging topic. And, and, uh, I totally understand. And, and I own third party products. You know, mm-hmm. probably say that too. So, um, yeah, that's a really tough one for all of us. And I, I think one day we'll all have some more clarity about that. And, and I kind of wish it was a little more out in the open, you know, uh, that would really help. And, uh, there was one, one thread I did post that I talked about, like, uh, Hasbro just being a lot more open with licensing of their stuff. And, uh, it'd have to be reasonable price for us to do it, mm-hmm. but they might, they might, uh, that could change things. Um, I don't know, but yeah, you're you're right. It's worth a chat uh, sometime in the future. Mm-hmm. Now, if Hasbro were to come to you and say, you know, would you would you like a job at here at Hasbro uh, as a, do- a designer for us? You know, what would you say to that? Oh, that that'd be interesting. Um, yeah, I'd think about it. it, it there, you know, like any uh, job opportunity, you weigh it with your current job and that kind of thing. And this is a hobby. Like this is my side project it's, it's to add energy and excitement and interest to you know my life so um you know it, it'd be a at some point it'd be a tough call to change your hobby into your job yeah um and uh yet some days uh after many hours of working on one of the kits or answering emails or 
you know, negotiating things, what have you, it, I think, oh, wait, this is becoming work. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's blurry. And, uh, yeah, you never know. If um, It would certainly be an honor. You know, if, if Hasbro ever came to me, I'd be more than more than honored. Um, I, I don't know. It, to me, it, it's sort of unclear as to what percentage Takara does the heavy lifting versus Hasbro. Mm. And uh, that would be a very that would be a lot of interest to me um, because you definitely want to make sure that your uh, your designs um, are you have control of your design. And yeah. Takara is so skilled, and those designers are so skilled. Like it just how could how could you measure up to those guys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but but certainly uh, an opportunity like that would be a, a, a huge honor for for someone like me. Following up on the licensing thing. Um, I believe in Japan they have like a one day event, like I think it's like the Wonder Fair or something, where someone like a third party can like there was recently that Ultimetal Optimus Prime that it's made by a third party but it's an officially licensed product by Takara. Would you be interested in like if like X Transbots approached you and tried to get something in there, would you be, you know, willing to do something like that? Yeah, that's uh Wonderfest, you're right. That's oh, um Wonderfest. Yeah, no, that's, uh, would be wonderful. That'd be amazing. Um, I would do that for sure. Uh, the, the big thing I find with that is the accessibility. So if I got my nose in there, I'd be pushing for a broad fan access to it. I, I, I don't know, this might sound a little callous, but I just hate that that stuff isn't, isn't easily accessible by the broad fandom. Right. Like an $800, uh, Optimus Prime. I mean, as great as it looks, probably 50 people are going to get it. Yeah, and and there were some really good like uh, world smallest things built at uh, Wonderfest and uh, a few other things there, and I just thought, geez, that everybody should have a chance to grab that. Right. So, um, you know, I and that that wouldn't let's just say that wouldn't prevent me totally from doing it, but I would I would speak for the fandom on that on their behalf, saying, okay, but let's up the up the accessibility. Cool. So after the um, the the release of your Bruticus set. Um, there was a uh, another Bruticus upgrade set that came out onto the market uh, from the company Microblaze Creations. Have you seen it? Yeah, yeah, I've seen that for sure. And uh, and what are your thoughts on that? Well, they they did a great job. It's uh, I, I absolutely respect what they've done. It's a beautiful kit. Um, it, it's it's uh, you know on a, on a totally different scale. So the the way I'm looking at it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it rather positively. I think it's, it's actually a different solution, right? It, it's, it's going to be much higher cost. At least, uh, it looks to be much higher cost. Yeah. And it's a much more extensive modification of the character. You know, when I started it, I, I said more game accurate. I said 100% game accurate. I mean, Microblaze, that thing is like 100% game accurate. It's better than the game. Like, they nailed it. Um, and, uh, for them, you know, you're looking at uh, a much bigger investment, like the tooling involved in that, the, um, you know, the, the amount of design time involved in that. Like it's, you know, I think about the number of hours uh, and, and, and blood, sweat and tears that poured into the kit I did. Those guys, you know, times five, right? Yeah. So um, it's just a, it's a, it's just a different level. So hopefully the fandom sees it that way. Uh, you know, I, I'm hoping, like what I'm hearing is there's, there's some people that say, Hey, I've got more than one. I'll buy one for one of your kit and I'll buy a microblaze kit. So I'm hoping that's how it works out. And, and, uh, you know, we're able to, um, succeed with this kit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's competition. And that's the, you know, even in this, uh, this hobby, this, 
you know, relatively small hobby we have, there's all this competition and that that's only going to make better products. Um, you know, uh, could I, could I have, you know, done that? Could I have done a, a Voyager sized, uh, uh, onslaught or whatever? Maybe, but <laughs> they still would have beat me because it'd take me way longer. So, uh, kudos to them. And, and, uh, I, I just, I'm just hoping there's enough room for both of us. Yeah. Well, definitely there, there is some significant differences between your two. And, and like you said, there, in the world of third party, there, there's going to be competition because, you know, you're not the only one that's possibly making the, the product you're making, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, there, there could be a, a third one, you know, like yeah. if there's, if there's what, three Predakings, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, for all we know, there could be another, uh, Fall of Cybertron Verticus on its way. So, you know, I, every day went by that I didn't see someone else doing it. I just sort of, uh, put an X on the calendar. Yeah. Like it was really like that. And, uh, and again, my, my origins were pretty humble. Like I was just, I was just excited to get this thing out in shapeways. So <laughs> yeah. you know, the fact that we got it that far is good and hopefully we can com- complete it, you know? And, uh, well, I, you know, I shouldn't say hopefully it's going to happen. It's just how many are going to sell, right? Exactly. Um, pre-orders are good. As far as I know, sales are good. Um, you know, the fandom is still responding well. I still get uh, lots of traffic and stuff. So uh, I don't think it's um, a blowout. But at the same time, I know that a lot of people's hearts and minds are going to going to be fired up by Microblaze. And they've done a great job. So uh, kudos to them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, watch out. I'll, I'll, I'll nail them next time. I'll do something bigger next <laughs> Well, I've got mine pre-ordered. So I'm definitely in for, for yours. <laughs> Thanks, man. <Yeah. laughs> Thank um, one last thing I thought of just as we were talking Will your relationship with uh, X Transbots continue past your Brugge cassette, or is this a uh, like a one-off kind of contract? Oh well, yeah, like uh, like anything, uh, I'd be happy to carry on. Um, and if the the next project fits, we'll we'll probably find a fit together and move forward. Uh, they've been great to work with, so uh, yeah, excellent. All right, so we're going to move into a new segment for our interviews. Uh, I'm calling it Rapid Fire Questions. These are going to go by real fast, and we're going to get some some real fast answers out of you. Okay. Am I allowed to say dough at any of them? <laughs> sure. Uh, if you feel like passing, don't worry about it. You can pass if you want, if you're not comfortable with answering it. But they should be really easy questions, so shouldn't have an uh, shouldn't have a problem answering them. All right. <laughs> All right. Um, Autobot or Decepticon? Uh, Autobot. Transformers movies one, two, or three? Oh wait, is is that uh, so? That's the Michael Bay ones. Those are the Bay movies. Okay, one. <laughs> Megan Fox or Rosie Huntington Wheatley? Oh, Megan Fox. Okay, More Than Meets the Eye or Robots in Disguise? These are the current comic books. Oh, More Than Meets the Eye. Okay. Third-party toys, yes or no? Yes. <laughs> that kind of that kind of goes with you, I think. Yes, that's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, cats or dogs? Dogs. Coffee or tea? Tea. Chicken or steak? Steak. Pepsi or Coke? Coke. Burger King or McDonald's? Uh, McDonald's. Oh, can I say neither? <laughs> sure. <laughs> no, the kids, the kids pull me out to McDonald's. McDonald's it is. Okay. History or science? Science. Xbox or PlayStation? Oh, PC. <laughs> <laughs> Calling I'm an audible, are you? PC gamer, and I, and I can't kick that, that, um, that habit. <laughs> that right. dying habit. Controller will never be the keyboard and mouse. <laughs> That's right. For first-person games, for all you guys on a PlayStation or Xbox, if you haven't done a first-person game with a mouse and a keyboard, you haven't lived. 
<laughs> Are you, uh, do you have any interest in the upcoming Steam box? Have you seen oh, that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if, you know, Valve just seems to, to be able to pull it together. And if they do something like do Half-Life 2 Episode 3 on it, I'm there. <laughs> you guys know of that? That legendary, uh, how they did Half-Life 2 Episode 1, Episode 2, and then they left 2 on a cliffhanger and haven't done 3. All right. I, I played through all the, all of those a couple of years ago without realizing that the series wasn't finished. So now I've been stuck. Yeah, apparently they had a whole bunch of people pick it. <laughs> pick at their uh, their headquarters. So hopefully, anyways, yeah, definitely Steambox would be hot. Well, on the topic of first person shooters, Call of Duty or Battlefield? Call of Duty. All right, I think I know the answer to this one. PC or Mac? Mac, dude. <laughs> you use you use AutoCAD on a Mac? No, no. <laughs> I use my PC, but uh, right now I think Mac has uh, just uh, got the experience nailed. iPhone or Android? Android. <laughs> you are all over the map. All over the map. Do I sound like I'm organized or not? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Marvel or DC? Um, ooh, Marvel. Who is your favorite Marvel character? Uh, it's, it is Iron Man. I'll admit it to be Iron Man right Iron now. Iron Man? Cool, yeah. cool. Stallone or Schwarzenegger? Uh, Schwarzenegger. All right. Scarlett Johansson or Angelina Jolie? Oh, uh, Scarlett. Okay. Twilight or Hunger Games? Oh, Hunger Games for sure. Pixar or DreamWorks? Um, lately, DreamWorks. Okay. We just watched Monsters University 2 tonight with the kids. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Star Wars or Star Trek? Uh, Star Wars. Okay. Simpsons or Family Guy? Uh, Simpsons. Walking Dead or Game of Thrones? Uh, Game of Thrones. Nice. <laughs> NFL, MBL, NHL, or NBA? NHL. Nice. It's a Canadian. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, that's not hard. I'm cliche. <laughs> Porsche, Ferrari, or Lamborghini? Uh, Porsche. And last one, blonde, brunette, or redhead? Redhead. Nicely done, sir. <laughs> like to thank, uh, Stephen for joining us here on the, the podcast. Uh, thank you very much, sir. This was a very, this was a pleasure. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm honored to be on your show. Uh, thanks, thanks guys for inviting me. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. If you'd like to hang around for a bit, we're going to talk some toys. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So I graciously give it back over to Charles, our host, to, uh, continue on. All right. Uh, thanks, Daryl. And, and thanks again, Stephen, for coming on. This was really interesting. Uh, especially as, as someone who is not the biggest toy guy, it's really interesting to hear, hear the third party perspective. So it's really, Really cool that you were able to come on. Oh, no problem. All right. So as my colleague, the Cybertronian Beast said, we're going to move on to toys. So, Daryl, you're going to start us off. Oh, I am, aren't I? Yeah. Okay. So here I am. I'm back. <laughs> if you didn't get enough Daryl, well, here's a little more. <laughs> um, the first, uh, the first thing I have for us today is the Dr. Wu Masterpiece Shoulder Weapons. Um, these are uh, produced for the, um, the MP Prowl, MP Blue Streak, MP Smokescreen. Um, there's even a couple on here that uh, were made specifically for some uh, other masterpiece figures that are not necessarily cars. There's some here that uh, um, that generally look. Uh, one looks like a Soundwave weapon, but they're all they're all given um, the same kind of attachment that the uh, that the cars have. 
so I have all there's what there's one two three eight nine nine of them there. There's uh, there's definitely a bunch of uh, different weapons here, and you've got one that looks like a wheeljack missile. You've got one that looks like prowls. You've got one that looks like smoke screen stuff. So you've got tons of them, and they are gorgeous. Chrome uh, chrome metal looking uh, plastic on the front with black plastic uh, backing on the launcher piece, and these things are fabulous. Um, I can't wait to see what's uh, what these things are going to eventually cost, because they're very small, and I definitely need some for my prowl, because he looks like garbage without the uh, missile launchers. Does anybody have any opinions on these? I think they look great. I've always been intrigued by the you know the custom weapons, which seems like it's like the perfect thing for something like Shapeways and um, the stuff Doctor Wu does. You know, just pay pay like you know five ten bucks for a small little piece. It's just I think it's great. Dr. Wu just does some um, gorgeous weapons. Yeah, it's kind of a godsend. I mean, tonight I was looking at the price of uh, getting a couple of the Amazon missile launchers. Aren't they like, they were like 20 bucks for one. For one? Wow. (laughs) Yeah. That's ridiculous. So, uh, this is great news. And the other thing I have for us here is uh, we got uh, finally got some pictures of the new simplified deluxe figures uh, that are coming out in the Beast Hunters line now. For whatever reason, they're continuing the Beast Hunters line uh, well past the end of the show. Uh, this will be Wave 6 for for those who are continuing uh, the count. And these figures, these are exactly the same as the figures that we got in the um, the Cyberverse line. So there's uh, Twin, Twin Strike, there's Prowl, and Bumblebee are now going to be deluxe-sized figures. This is... I mean, I knew that these things were going to be simplified transformations. I didn't know they were simply going to be upsized Cyberverse uh, figures. Yeah, they they said, uh, I'm not sure if it was BotCon or, or SDCC, but they've said that this first wave is simply going to be upsized um, Cyberverse. And then future waves will have better engineering. They better, because this is really disappointing. Yeah, these guys, I mean... I don't want, I don't want to insult them too badly, but they, they look like, you know, the McDonald's Happy Meal toys almost. Mm-hmm. They do. Yeah. And knowing the prices that deluxes go for, especially here in Canada, this is going to be, this, these aren't going to sell at all. I know they can do some, some nice things at the smaller size because, you know, some of the like Cyberverse Commander, um, some of that level of figure do seem to have more, um, more detail than these. So hopefully it's just, a learning process, and and they'll get to a, a better, like, a set that can be easily transformed, but also have a little bit more detail. Yeah, but they didn't even upsize the com- the commander size. They upsized the Legion, the smallest size available. They went up two size scales to Deluxe. So, I mean, does that mean the commanders are going to be the new Deluxe, or the new Voyagers? Like no, no. This is uh, I think this is just for the deluxes. Yeah. And this first wave is probably more of a getting something out there and saving money at the same time. Yeah. This is I I don't know. I'm really disappointed in this this wave. Um, I don't even know why they would even bother doing it. It just seems like a waste to me. Yeah. Like I was thinking about it. Like our like our G1 toys. I mean, all of us probably broke one or two of them. Oh, he's like, <laughs> broke more than one or two, but, uh, you know, they, they, they were, um, so intricate and detailed. And that's definitely what I dug about them as a kid, you know, rubber tires and stuff like compared to GoBots, it was, it was a pretty big difference. Mm-hmm. 
but then again, like, uh, my son's had the odd transformer and he just can't, he can't, he couldn't even transform, uh, you know, he was four at the time, but he couldn't really transform a, it was fast action battler kind of guy. It was a sideswipe from the movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that, that, that actually, it was just fidgety. Like the panels didn't line up well. I'd have to do it. Even my wife would struggle a little bit with it. And, uh, so that, you know, I'd be interested if I handed him one of these, if I buy him one of these, if it has staying power with him, then I could see Hasbro's really just trying to get that young market, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, last Christmas I, I got, uh, some, um, a friend of mine's son, uh, it was like a, a I think it was a deluxe sized Bumblebee and it took me like 15 minutes to transform that thing the first time. And he was like five or so and I doubt he'll ever gonna, he'll ever actually transform it himself. I mean, when we look at ours, like the G1 toys, you know, you can just like t- close your eyes and transform most of them. Yeah, well, we also did them, I don't know how many times, you know, as child children. It's muscle memory, though, right now. Yeah, but it's also fewer steps. True. That's true, too. And that's the thing. These have, you know, two, three steps. Yeah. That's true. My son got hooked on a G1 Ironhide that he found in one of those bottom bins at DEFCON. Uh, and uh, you know what? what really draws him in are the play sets. If mm-hmm. uh, if I break out Fort Max or uh, like the MicroMasters or whatever, he won't stop. So it's just kind of interesting. But but you know maybe this will work. Like I, I would I definitely want to put one in front of him to see if it hooks him in. If yeah. It doesn't, then I you know I I don't have high hopes for Hasbro selling these well. No. Yeah. I mean I I don't have high hopes for this this particular wave selling well, but I think the direction is probably the right direction for them to go. I also have to point out that this is wave six. I did mention it off the top. And late waves of anything are hardly seen on the shelves. I know for a fact in Canada here, we don't see them. So it's a perfect experimental wave. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, if we're going to see them here in Canada at all, they're going to be in, like, local comic shops. And then they'll be here the next Christmas in, like, winners and, you know, like, tar- places that get the toys after the fact, you know. That's actually an interesting point, you know, for the toy collectors out there that like to have rarer stuff. Like, they, it's not, it doesn't have to be the best figure. It's just like, it's got an interesting story to it. Mm-hmm. And some, like, I, I definitely generally choose aesthetics and good character, but I like some of those pieces in my collection where it's almost kitschy or kind of fun to talk about, you know, like the, uh, action masters are like that. People mm-hmm. are like, what the heck is this? It doesn't even transform, right? Yeah. So these could be that. These could be like down the road, rare collectible, expensive, and nobody wants them. True. <laughs> All right. Uh, and I think, uh, Stephen, as a third-party designer, you're working on something new coming out, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, so the sort of uh, logical follow-on to Bruticus that uh, everyone's been talking about is Ruination. And uh, both myself and X-Transbots, we go back and forth whether we would do a recolor of the current limb configuration, the Bruticus limb configuration as ruination. And we still might do that, but I am, uh, I'm starting to work on a ruination specific design. Um, so that has the ruination limb configuration, which means, uh, you know, um, the, 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 the arms of the legs and the legs of the arms. So, um, yeah, I'm starting to work on that. If anybody wants to check out what's going on, you can go to my Facebook page, echo.tftoys and see and um yeah we'll see where it goes i'm kind of excited about it we we think it'd be neat you know there could be quite the uh play pattern that you could mix and match some of the limbs if we if we colored in a few different ways maybe you could mix and match it with your 
SDCC or with your, your retail, Bruticus, if we do some different paints of that uh, kit. So it's going to have a, the goal is for it to have an Autobot look, you know, whereas Bruticus does have a, a fairly Decepticon look. He's, you know, angular and pointy and stuff. We want like more of a, a blocky, solid, uh, look. So yeah, so, uh, that's, that's, uh, in its infancy, you know, you'll see bits and pieces revealed as we go. Awesome. So Daryl, is that going on your list? <laughs> I actually never picked up the, the Ruination guys. I have all five of the, of the, of Fall of Cybertron Bruticus guys and, and immediately was disappointed with them and, and put them, put them back in their <laughs> packages and put them away. Uh, actually eagerly awaiting the, uh, the up, us, uh, an eventual Bruticus upgrade kit from somebody. So when, uh, when the, uh, the, uh, Stevens finally showed up, I was so over the moon happy that uh, I could actually get this thing back out again and it would look decent. Um, uh, that, uh, I'm, I'm just waiting for this thing to, to ship that, you know, um, I, 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 I'm going to take a look at it and finally just be happy with it. Right. <laughs> and you're right, Daryl. Are, are we even going to get it in Canada? I mean, I had to get a really helpful, uh, board member on TFW. It's the guy that got me my ruination. I still don't have it in my hands yet. Really? I'm mixing and matching my old retail kit to design this ruination kit. Wow. Still don't have one in hand. Yeah, it's a pain. I, so, uh, yeah, who knows? <laughs> there was, uh, there was sets available at my local comic book store. The guy that has it gets the, uh, U.S. release of the, uh, U.S. release of the toys, uh, when the books come in. Like when his comic books come in, and uh, and I remember for about a week there, he had uh, he had all five uh, Ruination guys sitting on the shelf there, and um, and he he has pretty expensive prices when you compare them to regular retail, but he gets them in insanely early. So you're looking at uh, I think they're around twenty bucks a piece. Um, so yeah, it was it was a little bit more expensive than I was willing to pay for for figures that I essentially already had. But uh, I must say, when I looked at them, the paint schemes on them were fantastic, and the uh, and the head sculpts were great. So, um, you know, going back at it, I, I I don't know whether I would have got the Ruination kit other than the the Bruticus one, but uh, but it's definitely was was interesting to to see the difference. Yeah, and it, 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 I think it's the wreckers just have this uh, sort of uh, place in the hearts of the fans. Yeah, and um, you know, I I. I originally was like, okay, I'm just going to do this Bruticus kit and I'll be done. But there's just so much demand. Mm-hmm. You know, the fandom's like motivating me to do this. So, uh, thanks for that motivation. And hopefully, hopefully I can deliver something on that. I'm pretty excited with the initial design, um, and my mock-ups and my sketches and stuff. It did, I think it's going to be great, but you know, we'll see what the fans have to say. For sure. All right. Uh, so Jeremy, what do you have for us? We saw this on Cybertron. This actually goes back to episode one of Transmissions. These are two things that we covered in that first episode. Um, Year of the Horse, MP10, Optimus Prime, and um, Supreme Commander Starscream, or Supreme Cybertron Starscream. Uh, They both are, um, they have estimated release dates of December, January. This data actually comes from the Hobby Arc Toy Store Facebook page. Um, We'll have that linked in the show notes. Uh, but the Starscream figure, it looks like Energon Starscream. Um, it is the Energon, or the Cybertron. Sorry, I, I get the Unicron series mixed up. Um, it's the Cybertron Supreme Class Starscream, so it's the really big guy. He's got the crown. Um, they, this version has metallic paint, a special edition box, and I mean, it, it looks pretty sharp. 
the um the prime is it's MP10 prime, but they the smokestack grill and windows are all gold instead of chrome. It has some metallic paint. It has a special Autobot Year of the Horse faction logo that they didn't show a picture of. And then a special edition box. And as someone who missed out on MP10, I'm, I'm interested in that even with the gold coloring and stuff. It, you know, it's supposed to be a great figure. Well, you know that even with the gold, knowing that there was such a low run of the original MP10, somebody's going to produce parts to make this thing original again, right? Yeah. I saw on, on TFW, um, Soul Fury actually posted in their, in their comments to the story a, what he thinks is the, the figure it was based off of. There's a, um, a lucky draw Japanese figure that was done that did the same thing, replacing the, um, the, the chrome with gold with the, the G1 Prime. So it, it looks kind of odd. It, it looks a little bit more like brass to me than gold color, but. Yeah. I think on the masterpiece, it, it might actually look decent. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, Yoshi, uh, what do you have for us? Well, it looks like I have a quick little update to uh, a third-party swoop I mentioned back in Episode 10, and hopefully Daryl can help me with the pronunciation of this. We have uh, a link to share with you with updated pictures to a Planet X PX02 Soleus. I, I, I've been pronouncing it in my head, Calius. Calius. That's what I've been saying. You know what? Uh, You're the expert, so I'm going to go with Calius. I have no idea when it comes to these kind of weird names. Two vowels next to each other? Come on. I have no no (laughs) clue. You know what? I'm going to save that because that's going to make an awesome D&D character name. I think I think we have to Google it to see. It must be some kind of ancient Greek or Roman uh, something. It's Latin, and it's Latin for weather. All right. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Thanks to Google Translate. (laughs) And not my high school Latin class, which I can't remember anything of. <laughs> you're, going, a, you're going for the points today. <laughs> does it have a Google pronunciation? Uh, let me see. I just closed the tab. <laughs> <laughs> it does not have a pronunciation. Ah. But it can also mean, um, or it, it's related to like heaven and sky and stuff. And that kind of swoop is the Dinobot that flies. So it kind of makes sense if you want a unique name. Yeah. So the updated images we have for this heavenly biblical Sally's swoop figure uh, shows that it's uh, been painted in the G1 style, which makes it even better, in my opinion. And we've got updated pictures for that we're going to put in our show notes. Is there anything you can see I'm missing, Daryl? No, it's just it's basically just updated pictures. It looks uh, a hell of a lot better. Than it looks prototypes. super cool, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. I'm I'm curious to find out with for, with since we have uh, somebody here who's had such intimate knowledge of the the fall of Cybertron aesthetic what uh, what Stephen might have to think about uh, what about this? Oh, uh, they nailed it. I mean, it's uh, to me it's such a treasured part of the game. You know, uh, you, you know, playing with the Dinobots and the way they interacted with each other, and I, I like the intelligence they gave the Dinobots in the game. And um, the the detailing that they've got, I mean, he's he's probably going to outdo Grimlock. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, they got all the extra little faces in there. Um, you know, they've got that. Uh, you know, as if there's energy on seeping through their joints. I mean, that's that's so important, and what was such an important part of the game to give that aesthetic. So I think they've nailed it. And uh, you know, my favorite shot I, when you guys are looking at the shots is when he's perched on Grimlock's shoulders. Mm-hmm. And it really gives you a sense of scale, and and I'm glad they they didn't overdo it with the scale because uh, Swoop's got to be you know sort of lithe and fast and 
smaller than the others. So they, they yeah. nailed it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. We don't have a uh, we don't have a price yet, eh, uh, Yoshi? No, I'm not seeing one yet. No. Hopefully soon. And hopefully more. Like, uh, hopefully they they finish the whole lot. That would be really cool. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of surprised Hasbro hasn't picked up and and given us the rest of the Dinobots. Well, I guess with the news we had last last week, maybe they're they're going to yeah. for next year. Movie. <laughs> yeah, and movie aesthetic. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah. but if we think about it, Hasbro's not done all the Dinobots since G1. Yeah, that's true. Because because even animated, what we got three. I'm just thinking, am I right here? I should check my facts. <laughs> but it, it's been a long time since we got all three cons- or all sorry, all five consistently done in the line. No, I think you're right. And uh, was it S- Snarl always gets left out, regardless of what's being done. <laughs> well, yeah, he was left out in the 86 movie, so I guess it's a tradition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, and uh, I'm going to end the toy segment with uh, a little bit of a blast from the past. So these aren't new toys that are coming out uh, recently, but there's some unreleased images of the Season 2 uh, Minibots from back in the 80s. So the original Minibots, those were Sea uh, Spray, Power Glide, Warpath. Cosmos and Beachcomber, and uh, from the Facebook page, the Space Bridge, which uh, kind of looks for uh, unreleased toys and and history of of unreleased Transformers toys. They have some images of these redecos of these classic Minibot characters. So these are alternate paint schemes that the Minibots had that were never released uh, and were planned but were never released. So they look pretty cool. Uh, so what do you guys think about that? I like them. I think they look really good. Um, obviously the, um, the paint schemes on them, they're, they're, they're ones that, uh, you're just, you're looking at them, you're like, I know these figures, I know them so well, but they just look weird. What's, you know, and then you realize that the, the paints are just different for all of them, right? So yeah, it's, uh, it's really cool. I think obviously Cosmos looks really cool. That's the, um, is that the, uh, the Gobot, uh, colors or no, that's the, uh, no, that's Diaclone. Diaclone colors. Yes, that's right. But uh, other than that, they're all they're all fairly different than than anything I've ever seen before in their colors. Yeah, Warpath looks really good in green. He does. Yeah, he looks like a real tank now. <laughs> yeah, and Beachcomber doesn't look bad. No. Yep. Yeah, like uh, Overcharge was an e hobby, and that's Blitzwing in green, and I just love that figure. You know, like when they're when they're done, like a little more honest to their vehicles. It's not that I don't like or you know respect the original Autobot colors or Decepticon color schemes. But it, they, they don't always look like their real world counterparts. So when they do it like that, it's, it's just, it's really compelling. I just wonder when, you know, like is, is Iger going to come along and paint all their figures up that color so they can sell more of those guys? I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. Yeah. They'll probably do something. But it might be like, you know, the G2 Sunicons, you know, will they, uh, will they get some hooks into the fandom and get some interest and then maybe they'll start to become popular, uh, color schemes somehow. Yeah. That would, that would be awesome. All right, I think we're going to wrap up the toy section here, and we're going to move on to comics. Uh, we got a couple of news bits in comics. Uh, first, uh, and this was out a, a little while ago, so uh, we forgot to mention it last week, but there's an interview up uh, on Comic Book Resources with uh, John Barber and James Roberts, who of course, are the writers on Robots in Disguise and More Than Meets the Eye, and they've given an interview on their upcoming crossover event, Dark Cybertron. 
And it's a very interesting interview. Uh, one really uh, surprising news item there is that John Barber said that there's going to be at least one new book coming out of the crossover. And so there aren't any additional details there, but does that mean there's going to be a third ongoing to go along with the other yeah. two? I think that's what, um, in the next item, you're going to talk about that interview with James Roberts. I think he mentioned it's a third, like a third ongoing. Well, if we, if we count the, uh, the Transformers G.I. Joe crossover, it's four ongoings then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's pretty amazing. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think the uh, G.I. Joe one should count. <laughs> well, I mean, you're I, so lucky I, you're in, in my, Canada right now. Yeah. <laughs> In my know, mind, right? the G.I. Joe one takes the place of Regeneration 1 that's going to be ending soon. So, you know, that's just kind of a, a you know net zero there. Yeah, so I'm just, I, I wonder, I'm just wondering if the, <laughs> I don't know how, you know, how big the, the Transformers comics market is. So can we sustain four ongoing books per month? I hope we can. Well, you guys buy all the current books, right? Yeah. yeah. So can you stand to buy five covers of each issue when they start doing this or not? <laughs> I only get the one cover per. I sh- I, but then I, I buy I buy it twice because I get the digital. Hate <laughs> that they do that. I just I hate it. Anyways. I only buy one. I only buy one book. I usually buy only one book per per title. Uh but not this week as we'll talk about later. <laughs> All right, and, and another, uh, just another interview. So the uh, Moonbase Two podcast, which is the UK-based podcast, did an interview with James Roberts uh, just this week too. So we'll have a link to that in the show notes as well, and you can you can give a listen to this to that. It's a it's a nice long interview. They go into lots of different topics. Uh, James Roberts talks a little bit about his uh, all the things he planned, how he planned out the first uh, twenty-two issues of More Than Meets the Eye, what they're doing for Dark Cybertron, and then the plans he's got for after dark cybertron so it's it's really interesting he also talks a little yeah. bit about uh this the things he did you know when he when he had a regular day job before he became a transformers writer and i thought that was interesting too yeah and then he also talked about like the early days of fan fiction when even before the internet when the what do they call it the um, oh, the transmasters uk yeah the transmasters uk where basically they just had a they did their own zine and they you know mailed it out I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. All right, and uh, just uh, I'll just mention uh, we're going to get into some comics reviews uh, in a minute. But I just wanted to mention some of the things that are out this week. Uh, so they're releasing uh, uh, More Than Meets the Eye number one hundred penny press edition, and that's for one dollar. I think that that's actually already out. So that that's already out. So if you've got any friends who are interested or curious about More Than Meets the Eye, you can. You know, pick up this book for them for a dollar so they can see the first issue. And I think it's a, it's a good jumping on point. As long as you don't tell them that it comes in 20 different covers. <laughs> well, the, this one, this one is the dollar ish edition. So it's only I, one I cover. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> but once they start collecting and they realize what the hell. Yeah. <laughs> it's like crack. You get them in cheap. Yeah. The first, the first hit is for free. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, also uh, for people who are reading along with the trade, so the More Than Meets the Eye Volume 5 trade paperback was released. So that covers uh, issues 17 to 22. So that's the last six issues of More Than Meets the Eye. So if you want to get caught up for Dark Cybertron, uh, there's your chance. And uh, so that and that's actually the, I think it's the first six issue trade they've done for the current ongoing series. So the last few trades have been only four or five issues each. 
but I think this is uh so this is a nice uh, good sized book if you're uh, if you want to collect all the issues. And uh just uh, another uh, bit about uh, Dark Cybertron. So we reviewed Dark Cybertron number 1 last week, uh but we ha- since we were going off the uh advanced review copies, we didn't see the real issue until we actually picked it up. And there were a couple of pages actually missing from the advanced review copy. So there was an extra uh there there was kind of a recap uh page at the beginning of the comic, but there were actually two of them. So in our in our uh, review, we only talked about one page, but there were actually two. And uh, f- also, uh, at the end of the book, there was a roll call page. So it listed, basically, it was a kind of a roster that listed all the Transformers that appeared in the issue. And uh, one thing that kind of caught my eye was that they refer to Slag as Slug in the in uh, in that roll call. So... Uh, I think we mentioned last week that with a new new Dinobot toys coming out, they're renaming Slag to Slug, and uh, that's because Slag is kind of a bad word in the UK. So they're market they want to market this to kids, and they need to they needed to change the name for that reason. But I didn't think that would actually filter into the current IDW Comics universe since he had already been established as Slag in that universe. So I'm wondering if. Some at some point down the line, John Barber is going to throw in a little, uh, you know, retcon retcon about why his name was changed in the universe. It's trail cutter all over again. <laughs> yeah, it'll be a throwaway line in one of the comics, and then when that comic is packed in with a toy, that line will be removed. Exactly. All right, so uh, I think we'll get into some comics reviews now. So we've actually. We're, we're gonna go all, uh, Transformers Prime Beast Hunters, uh, this episode. So we've got two issues of that to review. So we've got issue number six and issue seven. Uh, the uh, seven just came out and issue six, uh, was out last month, but we had, haven't got a chance to talk about that yet. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll get into those. I think we'll, we'll run through both of these and then we'll move on to our classic review with Yoshi. All right. So, uh, just starting with issue number six. And, uh, this is, uh, we have a dual writing team. This is, uh, Margaret Scott and Mike Johnson who have been writing, uh, all the issues and they trade off, uh, on each. They have, you know, two, two issue story arcs. So this is the second, uh, part of the latest arc that's being written by Margaret Scott. And the art is by Augustin Padilla and Attilio Rojo. And colors are by Priscilla Tremontano. So, uh, this is, in this issue, uh, this is continuing on the on the previous issue where uh if you've ever watched the Transformers Prime Beast Hunters show at the end of the show uh the Autobots successfully were able to revitalize the planet of Cybertron and and restore all the energon to the planet uh and this story takes place with all the Autobots who are surviving beneath the surface and they don't realize that the uh the Autobots uh, above have done this and this kind of takes them by surprise and actually causes a bit of a, a disaster for them. All these, all these bots living beneath the surface, you know, this, uh, immediate resurgence of Energon causes a bunch of earthquakes and cave-ins and everything. So basically you see a lot of bots actually getting killed as they're trying to escape these disasters. So the Dinobots who are, are leading all these survivors are trying to get them to the surface now that all this, uh, this Energon has come up. Uh, so the, the, the issue is narrated by Snarl, who is currently leading one group of, uh, of Autobots, uh, in, because Grimlock and Swoop were on a, uh, were on a mission to another city, which was, uh, 
I believe it was New Callus, and also um, uh, Sludge and Slug, who we all know as Slag, were out uh, looking for Energon. So basically, you have three groups of Dinobots. You have Grimlock and Swoop who are paired up. You have Sludge and and uh, Slug who are paired up, and then Snarl, who's by himself leading uh, the survivors of their main city. So. Uh, those are the three groups, and they're all trying to cope with these disasters and, and find a way to the surface to get out. And uh, so when we have uh, Sludge and Slug, they find uh, another survivor who's injured, uh, who uh, ha- has lost basically his entire uh, settlement uh, beneath the surface. But the, the twist is that this guy who's injured is actually a Decepticon, so he's a forged Decepticon. Uh, and he's the last survivor of his village, but he's injured. So Slug decides to uh, rescue him and take him take him back with them. And the this guy is actually named Blackout. So I think he's he's modeled after the the movie uh, version of Blackout. He's it looks like he turns into a helicopter. And so they so uh, uh, Slug and Sludge take care of Blackout, and and Sludge is kind of a medic. Of the Dinobot team, so he examines, uh, he examines Blackout and determines that, uh, his leg has to be amputated and, uh, in order to, uh, stop his, uh, Energon loss. So, uh, Sludge, uh, Sludge takes care of that and then they continue on. Uh, since they were in, they were out looking for Energon, but this, the cave-in prevented them from getting back to, uh, their settlement with the other Dinobots. So they're, they're striking off to another city. That they that is friendly. That was Last Spark. So hopefully they can find some help there. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Grimlock and Swoop are trying to get all the inhabitants of another city, New Callus, that they were visiting, to the surface. And the these citizens are they're in a bit of a panic, so they're trying to just corral them to the surface. And uh, they're working with uh, the the leader of that settlement is actually Chromia, who's another Autobot that we should all be familiar with. So she's uh she's trying to lead her people to the surface while Swoop and Grimlock are, are helping. Grimlock's kind of uh, using his flame breath to keep the corral the panic citizens uh, and keep them moving forward. But you know, it's not the most gentle way, but he's a Dinobot, that's what he does. Uh it's it's interesting just to, I want to comment on the design of Chromia. She looks a lot like RC. Did you guys notice that? Yeah. I'm wondering if maybe they're hoping for a toy like redeco at some point when you got a girl model that works why change it <laughs> well you know we did see last week chromia as one of the um the names that was released yeah it's that's true. right although her her in the in the beast hunter show rc turns into a motorcycle but here chromia turns into just kind of like a race car a sports car so uh I'm wondering how they're going to do that. Her her robot mode doesn't really give much away about what she transforms into. That doesn't mean they can't yeah. use the head sculpt. Yeah, that's true. So uh so they're making their way towards the surface and Snarl stuck back at at the home city for the that the Dinobots are are usually in charge of. He's telling all his citizens there that we're going to have to go towards the surface, you know, even though the, the other Dinobots are missing. Uh, his priority is to get every, is to keep everyone safe. So we're going to start moving. Uh, but one guy doesn't, uh, doesn't agree. And, uh, he's, you know, he's in the crowd. He screams out, you're a coward. You, you want to run. Grimlock would never run. And, uh, Snarl, you know, that Snarl doesn't take too kindly to that. And, you know, sh- sh- fires a warning shot pa- past his head and says, you know, 
this is, you know, since I'm the only one here, I'm going to, I'm going to make the decision. If you want to lead, that's fine. And I'll give you some advice. Uh, but you know, everyone, everyone wants to go, we're going. And, you know, he says, if you ever call me a coward again, there's going to be trouble, which is, you know, it's not, it's nice to see the, the Dinobots are trying to be leaders, but they're still kind of, you know, they're, they're, they're still pretty much, uh, you know, uh, thugs who, who, who like to, <laughs> like to engage in some violence, some recreational violence. Uh, so eventually, uh, each, uh, each group, uh, makes their way to the surface in their, in their own time. Um, Sludge, Sludge and Slug have some, are having some trouble getting, uh, you know, getting Blackout, this Decepticon they've picked up, uh, to Last Spark. They, they have some trouble, you know, cro- they have to cross a narrow, uh, ledge. And, uh, of course, while they're on the ledge, uh, Slug slips and drops Blackout uh, into the abyss, but they catch him in time and they're able to pull him up. Um, and they keep going, but they finally, uh, uh, they realize that Blackout is just in such bad shape that he can't really go any further. So, uh, Slug tells Sludge, just go on ahead and, and try to get help at the, at the city, uh, Last Spark. And, uh, I like, there's this one image where you see Sludge running and it, it, it just, uh, it was. It seemed really. Uh, it was just really amusing to me to to, to picture a you know a giant uh, apatosaurus kind of running you know with the little uh, um, you know all the dust. He's he's pick he's uh, you know bringing up a lot of dust. It just looked looked pretty. Uh, you know I can imagine this you know as a, as an animated image. It looks pretty funny. Uh, but the, he's good. He gets some bad news when he gets closer to Last Spark. Uh, he sees a, a Firestar and Zoom. Who are two uh, two two characters who we've seen before in the comic, and he meets up with them and he says, "Yeah, you know, we got we've got an injured bot. We're trying to get him to Last Spark, and they're like, don't bother. Last Spark is gone, and we're the only survivors. So that's uh, that's some bad news. Uh, meanwhile, where um, Grimlock and Swoop are getting the survivors from New Callus to the surface, and everyone manages to get out, but as uh, as Swoop and Grimlock are bringing up the rear. They're wondering, yeah, we found that, you know, we were lucky to find this tunnel that goes straight to the surface. You know what? How, you know, it's, it's amazing that this tunnel was here. Uh, and then Swoop says, well, did you ever wonder who made this tunnel? And it turns out that there's this giant, uh, what do they call it? A, a razor snake? This, it's like this, yeah, so. ro- this ro- giant yeah. robotic snake monster thing. You never ask how something was made. <laughs> they, they never watch horror movies. Yeah, so this thing attacks them and uh Swoop and, and Grimlock work together to bring it down. So they save uh everybody. They keep it from from following them. So uh we end the comic with uh with Snarl and his his group getting to the surface. Uh Grimlock and Swoop's group gets to the surface and then we have a bit of a cliffhanger with uh Slug and Blackout. They're still they're still waiting for help from Sludge and Sludge uh, you know, has to go back for them, but, you know, he gets the news that, that, uh, the city of Last Spark is gone, so there's no help from that, for them from there. And, uh, that's the end of, uh, Beast Hunters number six. So, uh, any additional thoughts on this issue? I just assume that the, that by the end of issue six, we would have had some kind of, um, addition, like them meeting up with the Prime team, uh, by, by the end of issue six. It just, it's being, for for a book that's being uh, canceled at the end of issue eight, uh, I assume that they would have sped things up a bit. Well, I mean, they're they're they have jumped forward in time 
considerably from the first few issues. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree that I mean they're they're dragging out the whole we gotta get to the surface. Yeah, that's the point that I was trying to make. It's just it's taking way too long. Uh, an entire book to get to the surface. Um, I mean, granted, I'm sure it's far, but is it an entire book far? I I don't think so. Yeah, and and you'll see uh, even you know we're not finished getting to the surface with the next issue. So <laughs> no, I mean at least with with some of the characters. Yeah. I was just going to point out that one, the one guy, I can't remember what his name is. I saw it today when I was reading issue seven and I thought, man, I got to bring that up. Um, but maybe you guys remember because we were just looking through it. It's the, he's, he's one of the guys that's tagging along with, with one of the, the, the Dinobot groups that's not the Grimlock one. Um, but he was the one that, uh, wanted to join the Dinobots in one of the early issues and we thought he was dead. Yeah, that's Zoom. Zoom. That's right. That's yeah. right. He is, he is not dead. Yes, he is not dead. Um, so yeah, we were wrong, uh, way back when on issue whatever. Yeah, that's right. I, I forgot to mention that. I was surprised to see him too. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, we thought he had just died somewhere between like issue three and issue five. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, uh, reading it, I found I got, uh, connected to Blackout. Like, I know it was kind of a side story there, but, um, you know, when you guys get to the next episode uh, or next issue, um, you know, I found through that, uh, through the accident and stuff, learning a bit about him was interesting. Yeah, that's right. He's, uh, they, they gave him a little bit of character, much, much more character than he'd actually got in the, uh, 2007 movie. <laughs> True. <laughs> okay. So, uh, we'll roll right on into, uh, issue number seven of Transformers Prime Beast Hunters. So, uh, this is continuing on. Uh, so we're switching to a new story arc here. So now, uh, Mike Johnson is the, gets the writing credits here. And it's still the, a joint team, Mike Johnson and Margaret Scott. And the art is by Augustin Padilla again and colors by Priscilla Tremontano. And now in this issue, Grimlock is the narrator and he's talking about how he never thought he'd come back to the surface of Cybertron and that Cybertron would be revitalized. And he's really, uh, surprised to see that. Uh, their, their planet lives again. Yeah, all the Dinobots, uh, start meeting up, uh, Grimlock and Swoop and the team from New Callus are meet up with Snarl and, uh, his group from the, from their city. And, uh, that's also, uh, Chromia comes with, uh, Grimlock and Swoop and they all meet up and, and, uh, talk about what their next move is. So, uh, you know, Chromia is still a little mad that they were forced to abandon their home. And so they're, you know, they're not going to let Grimlock leave. They're going to, you know, they're going to continue to follow him and until they can find a, a new place to settle down. So they're trying to figure out what's next. And then they get a transmission uh, that someone's uh, sending a signal that says, you know, all surviving Autobots come to Kaon City, meet at Kaon City. And so they're wondering, should we actually answer that call? And uh, while that's going on, we we go back to uh, Sludge, who's met up with Firestar and Zoom uh, down in the uh, you know in the cavern, and Sludge is trying to figure out what to do next since uh, they're not going to be able to get any help from Last Spark. And how are they going to you know how are we going to get back to Slug and Blackout and see if he can if if they uh, if they can help them? Uh, but as they're trying to figure things out, uh, randomly a Predacon just appears and starts attacking them. So. Sludge, of course, uh, puts himself in the middle and, and tells Firestar and Zoom to get away while he fights the Predacon. So Sludge, uh, Sludge takes on this Predacon 
and uh, manages to, you know, to hold it back. But uh, I wasn't really sure, but it just seems like the Predacon decides, well, you're, you're too much of a match for me. So I'm just going to fly over you and go and attack the, uh, attack your two friends. And so the Predacon just goes and attacks uh, Firestar and Zoom and, you know, Sludge runs after them, but, uh, you know, things, <laughs> things go wrong for Firestar and Zoom. Uh, meanwhile, back on the surface, uh, you know, Chromia and Grimlock are deciding what to do. And then Slug appears. So it seems like, uh, Slug made it out safely, but, uh, Blackout didn't, uh, you know, didn't make it, you know, he just, he ran out of Energon. He didn't, uh, he didn't survive. So, uh, you know, he's, he says, uh, Slug, Slug says he thought Sludge would, would get here before him, but they didn't. And so, you know, we've got almost all the Dinobots together, but, but Sludge is still, uh, is still down below the surface. And as they're, as they're having a the conversation, then a bunch of, uh, Forged Decepticons decide to start attacking. And, you know, they say they're, even though, you know, the, the planet's, you know, been restored and everything, they're still gonna just kill Autobots, cause that's all they wanna do is kill Autobots. Uh, meanwhile, back on the surface, or back below the surface, the Predacon's attacking, uh, Firestar and Zoom, and manages to, uh, you know, to grab Zoom, and Firestar can't, uh, you know, can't save him, and, um, you know, he gets, he gets carried away by the Predacon. Uh, Sludge eventually, fi- you know, catches up with them and finds Zoom, who's been, you know, pretty badly damaged. And, you know, we get the, we get a classic kind of, uh, death scene where Zoom says, you know, I, I you know, sorry, I, I fought him off, but, uh, you know, I, I think I, 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 th- I thought I fought like a Dinobot would. And then, you know, Sludge says, no kid, not just like a Dinobot, you are a Dinobot. And then, and, you know, gives Zoom some comfort as he, as he dies and his spark joins the all spark. So <laughs> shed a tear <laughs> for Zoom. Uh, so meanwhile, on the surface, uh, the Dinobots are attacking all the forged and the, the, the forged, the Decepticons and the Dinobots are really, you know, they're pretty much taking them out. They're like, finally, we get to do some damage. We haven't really been able to cut loose in a long time. They've all been, you know, they've all got their Energon tanks full. So they're just able to completely make short work of, uh, of the Decepticons. Uh, and while this is going on, Sludge and Firestar, uh, Finally, uh, or actually just Firestar, cause she, she escaped from the Predacon, comes to the surface, and, uh, they're like, uh, you know, the Dinobots are happy to see her, you know, glad you made it out. But she's like, uh, yeah, we just, we gotta get out of here, cause it's coming. And they're like, what's coming? And then the Predacon breaks out. So, uh, I don't, actually, do, does anybody recognize this Predacon? Is this, is there a toy of this? Do, does anybody know what this, what this one is? I don't recognize I it. I have but no idea. Maybe it was one from the movie, but I can't remember. Oh, like the Skylinks or Dark Steel or something? Yeah, maybe. I, I have no idea. I I tuned out the uh the the Predacons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just surprised. I thought they would have they would have taken the chance to, you know, put a toy in there that uh, people would be interested in, but uh yeah, but this this Predacon, he's he's, you know, he looks kind of like a I don't know, some kind of uh a griffin or something and he's uh you know he comes out of the he breaks out of the surface he was following firestar and attacks and the dinobots uh of course uh are ready to to meet what meet up with him and uh grimlock tells firestar to get chromia and the other uh bots and tell them to go towards new Kaon while they fight the predacon 
And the Predacon actually is able to take on all four of these Dinobots, uh, pretty, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a stalemate, but, uh, you know, they're, you know, they're both, uh, I think they're, they're, they're pretty evenly matched. Uh, so meanwhile, back, back below after, uh, after Sludge kind of, uh, you know, says the last rites for Zoom, uh, he continues on, but then he hears, you know, Sludge hears a sound and says, and, you know, you know, draws his weapon to see it. He thinks the Predacon is following him. But then, you know, someone behind him says, what's the matter, Dinobot? Never seen a ghost before. And then we cut, we cut from that scene. But then later on, when Sludge finally rejoins the other Dinobots, uh, the Predacon is blasted from behind and, and he's given enough firepower that the Predacon decides to run away. And so there, you know, the other Dinobots are, of course, very happy to see Sludge. And then Sludge says, oh yeah, and I've brought some friends with us. And behind Sludge, it's finally, we've got the guys from the Transformers Prime cartoon. So we've got Bulkhead, RC, and Bumblebee have joined up with Sludge. And that's the end of the issue. Finally, we get some, some conjoin, uh, the two series. Yeah, so we've, we've only got basically one more comic to, uh, to wrap things up. So. I'm thinking these last four issues probably would would be better as a trade than single issues. It seems like you know with the last issue so much so much time being spent just getting above ground and this issue with just pretty much nothing but fighting and I think as a combined four issue trade, I think it'll read a lot better yeah i I tend to agree with you it It is kind of one long continuous story of them. You know, a disaster happens, and then they're all trying to escape. And they were told to wrap it up, and that's what they did. Yeah. All right. I, I think that'll 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 wrap up our review of uh, Beast Hunters uh, number six and number seven. Uh, what did you guys think of the art? I th- I thought the art was. Uh, I think it's a consistent uh, quality and been pretty good uh, throughout the series. The one thing I, I definitely looked for when it came to the art was. Um, Transformers Prime was known for the robots not having noses, and I just uh, when I was reading through these uh, these two issues, I was thinking, man, the the robots in the, these issues have noses. What are they going to do to sync up the the art for the you know when the Prime characters finally meet up? And uh, yeah, I just yeah you know, the art itself though was fabulous. I was just looking at the character profiles just to to see what they would think think about what they would do with that. Yeah, I mean that's I, I've heard other people uh, talk about that, and I, I wonder, uh, I guess, uh, you know, what the what the reason was behind that, or maybe it just what it was something that wasn't too big of a deal, and no one really noticed it until they had started or something. I don't know. It's definitely not a big deal for me. I just I noticed it and thought, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I also like uh, every time there's a transformation sequence, there's like some like a you know a fire. And after images of the of the bot in different modes as they transform. Yeah, I like that too. Uh, I, I guess it's it's a combination of the artist and the colorist uh, doing that. It seems to me like a lot of the art is just kind of pretty much average. But then there's some some scenes where like the Predacon coming out of the ground where you can tell they spend extra time on that. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, and I like the uh, the expressiveness of the characters, like. The expressions on their faces gave you a sense of the mood. It was just a couple times, though, I wanted a little more context of this place they were grueling through, you know? Like, it was not an easy environment. And, and once in a while, you know, you see, you know, parts of the crumbling infrastructure. But I just wanted a greater sense of this cavern, you know, they were trekking through. 
it uh, obviously was dark, but just, uh, you know, there's that one scene when they're crossing the bridge and uh, they nearly lose blackout. Um, and uh, suddenly, it, you know, you, you got a sense of this cavern that they were hiking through. So, and, you know, and, and uh, you know, I said I got kind of connected to him and then you find out, oh, he died. <laughs> so I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I know it's sort of a side character. But, yeah. yeah, well, I mean, you are coming in without having read some of the previous issues and they do kind of build that up a little bit more. Oh, uh, okay. That helps to know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, these are issues six and seven and the next issue is the last one because they canceled the series. So they are rushing through some parts. Yeah. Yeah. But it's definitely, uh, it was great to, to thumb through it and, uh, definitely some really expressive and bold art in there. Yep. Okay. So, uh, that'll wrap up our reviews and now we're going to move on to our classic review. So this is. Issue number 12 of Marvel uh, Transformers from the 80s, prime time. So, Yoshi, take us back to the 80s. I certainly will. And uh, I just want to say that uh, today's classic review of Transformers number 12 is brought to us by 80stees.com. If you are looking for any cool kind of retro t-shirt from the 80s, this place has it. All kinds of movies like Star Wars or National Lampoon's Vacations or uh, what is it, Karate Kid. These, these guys have all of these vintage shirts. A lot of them are the same design that they used back in the 80s as well as some new ones. And, Goonies? Uh, Do they have Goonies? They have Goonies. Awesome. They totally have Goonies. And uh, I was I was looking through the cartoon section here, and they've got an adorable little one called Thunder Kitty <laughs> of uh, a cat dressed up like Lion-O. That's cool. <laughs> so uh, that's 80stees.com. You guys should check them out. I've, uh, I've bought several Transformers shirts from them, and the, the quality is fantastic. Nice. Yeah, I'm looking at this one. The uh, It's Grimlock on like trying to do push-ups and just as Grimlock hate push-ups. <laughs> it's hilarious. Nice. All righty. So on to issue 12, Daryl, this should be a cover that you like. I want to quote you on it in a way, cause it's just like, they're all dying. <laughs> <laughs> we've, uh, we've got a, a, a dark Brown background with Optimus prime, just shooting his fellow Autobots. Um, why does he have to do that? <laughs> Prime, no. Yeah, seriously, you're our friend. <laughs> okay, so uh, this issue. Uh, we start off um, using the creation matrix, locked away, buried in Buster Witwicky's mind. He uh, He's able to control Jetfire to take him to the Decepticon base, which is currently, uh, which was Black Rock's aerospace assembly plant. And he's hoping he's going to be able to rescue Optimus Prime's head uh, from Shockwave. Uh, during the rescue operation... Buster has to break out some uh, some maneuvers to avoid uh, the military aircraft that's been uh, circling around the base that are now attacking uh, him and uh, Jetfire. Uh, these these uh, evasive maneuvers knock Buster out, and it kind of also reboots Jetfire in the same instance. And he he's just continuing on as pre-programmed. He realizes he's got Buster in him, and he's just going to take him to Shockwave. Um, and uh, the Autobots that are they're following some misinformation from the Decepticons. Basically, the Decepticons learned that the Autobots had bugged the plant, and uh, they're being sent to a swamp where they believe uh, the Decepticons will be disposing of Optimus Prime's head. Uh, so, so in preparation for that, they have brought along Optimus Prime's body to put his to reattach his head to. And uh, after after Buster's been delivered, uh, 
Shockwave orders uh, Jetfire to fly over the swamp and uh, drop off his head, drop off Prime's head into the water. The Autobots see this; they go after to uh, to retrieve it, and uh, they go ahead and reattach the head. And uh, you know, when 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 you're the leader of the Autobots and uh, you realize what everybody's been doing uh, for a while without your head, uh, you just start shooting everybody. <laughs> which is kind of what happens here and and the Autobots don't understand what's going on after uh, after Optimus Prime shoots Prowl in the chest uh, Shockwave appears uh, in classic villain style to inform the Autobots of their grievous error of putting on a fake Optimus Prime head onto this body um, you know that's what happens when you deal with third parties <laughs> <laughs> uh, back at the Decepticon base uh, Buster uh, is able to continue. He's still using the the creation matrix in his mind, and he is able to take back control of Jetfire, and uses him uh, to take out Shockwave. Buster then uses Shockwave to take uh, the real head of Optimus Prime back to his body, uh, and and it, it it's kind of interesting here, or, or or silly, I guess. Uh, when Prime gets close enough to his body, he's able to control his body remotely. Uh, rips off the uh, the phony head and gets his own put on. The Autobots see what happened here, and they all start cheering for Optimus Prime. And uh, they tell uh, Prime, you know, you need to finish off Shockwave here once and for all. Let's be done with him. But Prime is more concerned about uh, the human element and rescuing Buster from uh, the Decepticon base before any harm comes to him. Uh, when Prime, which is, you know, God, what do you do? You you could you could take out this evil threat that plagues us for several issues into the future, or you can go save Buster with Wiki. Uh, so Prime decides to go save Buster, um, and when he gets to the plant, he discovers that uh, some of his uh, some of the plant's human workers have gone ahead and, and rescued Buster, um, and Buster returns uh, the Matrix to Optimus Prime, and the comic kind of ends with Prime thinking about, you know, how much, how much have we affected, how much, how much danger have we put earth and its humans in by us continuing our war here on earth uh that is a a synopsis of what happened with this issue i'm trying to remember charles was it was it your two favorite factory workers that saved buster uh it it looks that way they're they're not name checked in this issue but i i i'm I'm gonna go ahead and assume it's them i mean that they're you kind of don't really see uh, you know one hat one always had like a baseball cap so you can kind of tell in, in that last panel, yeah. one of them seems to have a baseball cap. But yeah, I I I I, I guess it's them. I, actually, earlier in the issue, we do have some guys who look like them. When you know, when when Jetfire smashes a shockwave, you know, the plant workers decide, hey, you know, let's uh, let's revolt. Right. And and the two guys up front appear to be our our friends Gabe and Ferdy, who uh you know who have been our point of view characters in the plant. For the last few issues, who decide to attack uh, Rumble with hammers and wrenches? There you go. <laughs> I was, uh, you know, I, I was pretty happy with the art in this issue. Um, uh, I'm, I'm looking at the uh, the IDW repainted one uh, right now, but I thought the, I thought, I don't know, it was just at a higher standard or quality. This particular issue, I thought throughout. Um, I would say that the cover is maybe one of the weaker moments, actually. Yeah, I guess this is Herb Trimp who did the last issue too, and I think yeah, he's he's done a pretty good job. 
One panel I thought that was neat was when Shockwave goes in and sees you know, Optimus Prime is gone, and he just looks so dejected. He's all slumped over. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's it must be hard for him to understand how something doesn't work when it was so logic to, logical to him <laughs> in the beginning. Yeah, and, and I like the whole subplot with Rumble. You know, Shockwave is like Rumble since you allowed that human to escape. Your punishment is you're in charge of all the humans. Yeah. And if you... <laughs> There's a lot of personality and, in this one. And, you know, he's he's sweating and, you know, Shockwave remarks, oh, you seem to be leaking some lubricant. You need to get that checked out. Yeah. <laughs> I, kinda, I think it might be worth reminding people that this is kind of pre the Matrix being a unit in, in a Transformer's chest. Um, right. So when, when Buster hands back... Uh, the Matrix at the end. It's more of a, a telepathic mind meld of, of pulling that out of his brain. Right. Yeah, the, and the one thing that... Uh, and it's it's not something that bothered me when I read these comics back in the day, but now that I think about it, when Buster had the Matrix, he had this power to you know manipulate any kind of metallic or mechanical objects. Optimus Prime never uses that power at all, like throughout the whole series. If he has that power, I mean, you know, he can't, maybe he can't, uh, you know, he can't move living metal, but anything that's non-living, he should be able, you know, he should be like a Jedi and, you know, move stuff around and hit the Decepticons on the head while they're fighting or something. You know, and there's there's so many times when I'm reading through this, this series again and stuff like that comes up and I'm just trying to remember, you know, it's popcorn fun. Just just go with it. <laughs> enjoy with it. Don't don't. Don't pull the rivets that hold your childhood together right now. You don't need that kind of therapy session. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Why? Why? <laughs> yeah, and I, I really, I, I just like the continuing with Rumble, you know, at the end when the humans start revolting and Rumble is afraid that Shockwave's going to kill him because he let all the humans go. Right. But, Sh- but Shockwave's just so you know, so focused on the fact that Optimus Prime has escaped that he's completely ignores Rumble. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, like you were saying, he looks so dejected. Like, you know, I, I, I the closest thing you can kind of relate Shockwave to is either Spock or Data from Star Trek. And when, when something doesn't work for those guys, it's just, what do you do? <laughs> you know, you yeah. just, <laughs> you run away and yeah. cry, I guess. <laughs> There can't be a flaw in my reasoning. I have a perfect. I have perfect logic. How can there be a flaw? Right. <laughs> All right, and uh, I guess that'll wrap up our uh, classic review. Of course, please check out Yoshi's uh, review on his blog. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. Cool. All right. What's next, boss? Okay, so let's move on to, uh, we've got a little bit of movie news, so Daryl, why don't you start with that? Yeah, not a lot here to say, other than uh, Transformers 4, Age of Extinction is a wrap. There is uh, no more filming being done. The uh, the crew and actors and Michael the Ninja Bay got uh, got finished filming in China, and they are, uh, they're done filming. It's now on to the editing process. Which uh, will take a very long time, I'm sure, and uh, the film is scheduled for its release on June 27th, uh, 2014. Okay, great. Uh, yep. And uh, Jeremy, you have another bit of news too, right? Yeah, I saw um, this. Um, Cybertron had an, a note from an interview that the Examiner.com did with Steve Le- Steve Jablonski, 
who scored the previous three Michael Bay movies, and then he's uh, they they were interviewing him for Ender's Game, which he also scored. But they asked him about Transformers, and he confirmed that he is returning for um, Transformers Four, which is a good thing because the music was probably one of the only redeeming qualities. <laughs> yeah, I have the I have the score for the first movie, and I, I really enjoy that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's in my my playlist of things to listen to when I really need to focus on something and just want to have some instrumental stuff. So, it, and you know, he's done other good movies and. Um, so it's good to have him Does back on. Does that mean that Lincoln Park is also going to be back as part of it as well? I don't know. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> they did just re- they did just have that Lincoln Park sound wave. So you never know. <laughs> yeah, we can take or leave them. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm more I'm more into the scores than the soundtracks. Yeah. All right, so uh, now we're going to move on to our trips to the store segment. Every week we talk about some of the Transformers-related items we've picked up at the store. Uh, so, uh, Stephen, our guest, uh, did you pick up anything this week that you'd like to talk about? Uh, I uh, struck out big time this week. You know, I was uh, Canadian releases are slow, so I'll just uh, mention online. I managed to pre-order that uh, Virgin, Exo Virgin, uh, Black uh, Trailer Force Prime. It's like a, an homage to Power Master Prime. That's okay. big. Yeah, that's a big figure. Yeah, that was uh, save up and wait. And, uh, yeah, I'm really excited to pre-order that, that bad boy. I've got kind of a Black Prime thing going. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, I have to I have to fill up the Primes. So. Cool. Have you gotten anything else recently? I mean, obviously, you know, you've, you haven't, you're on, you aren't on the show weekly. So, you, you know, have you gotten anything in the last little while? Um, I just, uh, I just, uh, got Tiger Track, actually, MP Tiger Track. Oh, cool. Up and, um, really like that paint, man. Like, uh, I mean, I love the, uh, the Diaclone. I don't, I don't own the Diaclone. I wish I did, but, uh, it just looks great in that paint. And and the only thing that, uh, I have any concerns about is will that delay Hasbro from feeling they need to do a Sunstreaker in the MP line? Because I just think, I know his character never really got the love it needed, but, uh, man, I've always been a Sunstreaker fan, so we'll see. But uh, as an MP, uh, Tiger Track is outstanding. Better, better paint match too on the yellow versus the red. They kind of botched the red on the side swipe. So. All right. Uh, so Daryl, what have you picked up? Uh, well, let's see. Um, I did hit my local comic book store and I did pick up uh, the physical copy of Dark Cybertron number one. I did uh, get the Starscream, the retail. Uh, what is it? Incentive cover. The retail incentive cover. The RI cover, um, which is. Uh, yeah, a really great picture of the Armada Starscream on it. I picked up Beast Hunters number six. I guess uh, that's I was a little late on getting that one. And I picked up Thundercracker, um, the Generations IDW Deluxe, and this is the Canadian version. Now, a lot of you will ask, why are you saying Canadian? Well, it's because of the stupid, stupid packaging. And that's, uh, I'm putting up a picture here in the show notes that will show you this is what we get to deal with. It is crap. It is so bad. It's like they didn't They're even not try. even trying. And of course, it's also missing the comic. Yeah. Like they could have managed one's attention on the shelves. It looks so unattractive. So bad. They they could have at least put, you know, the cover art from the comic yeah, on Yeah, right? They could have done something. This is so bad. It's like, I don't even really, I didn't even want to buy it looking at it. I was like, what is this? 
I, I wanted the toy because I want the three Seekers. And I know uh, uh, Skywarp's coming later uh, this year or early next year. And uh, I was like, ugh, come on. This is so ugly. I did have an idea, though, that maybe... Maybe I could get, uh, maybe I could take the, the box to TFCon and, and get an artist to sketch, sketch a, a thundercracker on it for me. That's not bad. Yeah. yeah. That's what I got. We feel your pain, Daryl. <laughs> now you see what I'm dealing with here. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jeremy, what did you pick up this week? All I got was Dark Cybertron digital copy. I haven't had a chance to make it to my comic book shop. All right. And Yoshi, well, have you picked up anything this week? Uh, I, I've spent enough money to think I have. I've got some things coming in from eBay and stuff, but I don't like talking about those till I get them. So hopefully next week I'll have something to add. What about you, Charles? Did you grab anything? Yeah, so uh, I went on a dark Cybertron spending spree this week. So at my local comic shop, I picked up uh, the regular and subscription uh, cover versions of Dark Cybertron number one. And, uh, the retailer incentive cover with the, uh, the Armada Starscream that Daryl got. So I normally don't buy multiple covers of comics, but, uh, you know, I, I was really hyped about this first issue and just went a little crazy. And I never actually seemed to be able to get retailer incentive covers. So since they, they, you know, they, they said, we have it here. We put it aside for you. So do you want it? And I got it. Of course. Now I realize, though, uh, after talking with Daryl, that I might have paid too much for it. So my comic shop actually charged me $10 for the retailer incentive cover. Yeah. And, uh, Hell, man. Yeah, so... I paid 6 But uh I got them, so <laughs> I'm happy. My kids didn't need to go to college. <laughs> yeah, it's overrated. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, that'll wrap up our trips to the store, and we'll uh, end with our final segment for Transforming Pop Culture. So uh, we like to find instances of any Transformers bleeding into popular culture and, and general media, and we've got a doozy this week. So uh, for anyone who is into pageants, there was the 2013 Miss Universe pageant, uh, I believe it was this, this weekend, or d- just last week. And all the contestants had to put on costumes for their, you know, representing their particular country. So we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes to, uh, uh the BuzzFeed article that, uh, that showed all the, all the different costumes. So there's a cosplay section in the Miss Universe pageant. Well, this is the one that's run by Donald Trump, right? So he, he's a little eccentric. So. Yeah. I mean, when I, when I looked at this, I, you know, it, it, the costumes that all the contestants had, it reminded me of, I mean, we just had Halloween. So, you know, how all the advertisements for Halloween, they're like, you know, sexy cheerleader, sexy nurse, sexy whatever. I have a four year old daughter. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, for adult, uh, adult Halloween costumes, this seems to be the, you know, the current trend is to, <laughs> and, nope. um, <laughs> putting it out of my mind. <laughs> And so basically all, all these, all these Miss Universe, uh, costumes reminded me of that. So, you know, for France had a sexy Eiffel Tower. Canada had a sexy Mountie. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, you. <laughs> you know, so, uh, and so of course, you know, I'm scrolling down and then at the end we get to USA and Miss USA is, Sexy Optimus Prime. 
No, it's uh, and you know you wouldn't think that Optimus Prime would you could make Optimus Prime sexy and you yes, still, still think they can't do it. So it's it's pretty amazing. Uh, you know they've got her in this very form fitting red and blue suit with this giant. You know she's got a helmet, an Optimus Prime shaped helmet with an antenna and everything, and then this giant kibble. I I can only describe it as kibble piece above her shoulders that you know basically. Uh, implies that she can turn into a truck. It's really, it's really kind of hideous. <laughs> On the, who thought that was a good idea? Yeah, I, I don't know. But yeah, we'll 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 put the link in the show notes. You can you can see this picture. It's it's really amazing. <laughs> I think we should strongly advise people not to see the picture. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can go to look for Miss Canada. <laughs> she is sexy. Come for Prime, stay for the Mountie. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it didn't help her win either because I, I saw uh, that Venezuela won. Okay. <laughs> Surprisingly, you know, dressing as something that was actually invented in Japan didn't help Miss USA. <laughs> yeah, it was funny that I, I, you know, I was talking to my wife about this, and the first thing she said was, "Didn't Transformers come from Japan? <laughs> so why is she representing? You know, why is that representative of the United States?" So. <laughs> I'm sure these women are not there for their brains, Charles. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. <laughs> I, I didn't. This is one place I didn't expect to see Transformers come into play, <laughs> ever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so I think we're gonna wrap up this episode. Uh, once again, I want to thank our guest Stephen for coming and talking to us about. How you design third-party toys? Thanks again for coming. Oh, absolutely, guys! Uh, it's been an honor. Thanks for letting me hang out. I learned a lot, man. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Yeah. Uh, is there is there any place uh, that uh, you want people to get get if they want to get in contact with you online? How can people get in touch with you? Oh, sure. Uh, best place is uh, at my Facebook page, echo.tf.toys. Oh. Just uh, like me there. Um, I could always use a few more likes and uh, um, yeah, send me a message or what have you. And thanks for all the fans that have supported me. It's been an amazing amount of support from all the different communities, so thank you. Right on. Fantastic. All right, and that'll do it for this episode of Transmission. So we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for picking up our transmission. Give us feedback on our website at www.transmissionspodcast.com where you can find all of our contact info on social media and links to all of our show notes discussed in each episode. You can also email us directly at feedback at transmissionspodcast.com.